It's disgusting and I love it. Incoming transmission. Engage house party protocol. Mark 4 powering up. Mark 17 powering up. Mark 44 powering up. All suits are online. Welcome to house party protocol. Power up suits and welcome in to another episode of House Party Protocol. My name is Will, and with me today is more of a new creator on the scene, you could say, but one that I am quickly, quickly enjoying their content. And that is Aaron from the Web Warriors Protocols. And come on, it wouldn't be House Party Protocol without bringing in the Web Warrior Protocols. So, Aaron, what's happening, my guy? How you doing? I'm not too bad, to be honest, yourself. Oh, you know, I can't complain. I'm glad we were able to make this happen, man, because I've been uh, reading your content. You have just been hammering away. You, you basically do daily content, right? Yes. Yeah, so at the minute, I think on the very first day I launched the blog, I put an article up that was just about the tournaments I've been to in the past. And the next day, I didn't post anything. So the day after that, I posted twice to make up for that. And then since then, I've posted every day. That's awesome, man. Like You've really been crushing it, and I really enjoy uh, reading your articles. You really write. I mean, it's it's really engaging uh, reading your articles, I got to say. And also, for those of you that are interested, there is a link in the description to the Web Warriors Protocols Facebook page. That's probably the easiest spot, I would say, to find everything. So check that out. It is also a... Uh, webwarriorprotocols.com as well so you can find it there if you don't have Facebook but I'll, I'll make sure to leave the appropriate links but it caught my eye when you first burst onto the scene as it were because I'm a bit of a Web Warriors player myself definitely not as good as you but I still am a bit of a Web Warriors player myself sure, so I've heard that you're a big fan of them from some of my friends that you are a lot of the Web Warriors yeah I love them and I play them probably a little more casually and just kind of let's see what kind of cool things I can do than like really trying to go hard on them. But I am very interested to kind of hear your take on some of them a little bit. But before we kind of get into the minutia here, I do want to go ahead and preface this episode here as uh, Aaron's using his phone uh, to, to, to do all this stuff today. So there might be a little bit of background noise and stuff. So if you hear that kind of stuff, just bear with us. You know, it is what it is. But uh, I just wanted to preface that in case you get some weird random noises and whatnot like that. With that yeah, said, I do apologize for that. <laughs> oh, man, you know, it, it's okay. It is what it is. I'm just glad that we were able to make it happen. So first things first, tell us a little bit about yourself. What brought you to MCP? What's your wargaming history like? You know, stuff like that. So um, to try and describe it briefly, I think I'm currently playing 11 different game systems. Woo! Uh, and when, so uh, a lot of people joke it's weaponized autism. So when I read a rule, I don't tend to forget it or how the, the rules interactions work. So prior to MCP, I was playing Lord of the Rings. Um, prior to that, I was playing Star Wars Legion. This is like what I had as my main game, rather. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, then it was 40k, Age of Sigmar, A Song of Ice and Fire back when that was big, um, Necromunda, Blood Bowl, you know, all the Games Workshop specialist games, as well as a bunch of other game systems, if, if as you would say, I suppose. But um, So I'd normally play a game system and have one list or one army, so similar to how I'd just play Web Warriors for Marvel. Um, and if I get bored, I'll move on to a new game rather than changing system, but Marvel is the first game I think I've been playing for like a year now, and I just cannot stop playing it. I just absolutely adore the game system. That's awesome. So, uh, yeah, that's why I um, launched the blog, because it's just something that I just find myself constantly hyped for and involved in and uh, wanting to play. Yeah, that's kind of where I found myself, too. I mean, I'm definitely not in 11 game systems, but that is impressive, uh, I will say. But for me, Marvel, it's just... One, grew up loving the comics, loving all the TV shows, that kind of stuff. So it was kind of a natural fit for me as I had been kind of working my way into some different games. And then this one came along and it's like, well, this is the one. Here we go. <laughs> so, well, yeah, that, that's sort of it for me as well. So I'm quite young. So I was born in 2000. I'm a 2000 baby. So Star Wars Legion, for example, that was Star Wars. I didn't grow up on that. I didn't really grow up on the like sort of Lord of the Rings esque. Obviously, Lord of the Rings was released the year I was born. Yeah, but Marvel, however, with like the Netflix adaptations, the MCU really taking off. That is something that I've constantly been immersed in and surrounded with. So there is that to it as well. I actually do have like some investment into the characters themselves. I love them. I love the comics. I love Venom. That's one of the main reasons I got into the game. So yeah, that's um, another thing that keeps me really hooked with the game as well. Nice, nice. So. Since you mentioned Venom, I've got to say, I, I definitely have been known to bemoan Venom a time or two in this game. However, however, I have more come around lately after playing a ridiculous amount of games with him lately. So we, we can get into that here very shortly. But all that to say, that's really awesome. And I know that you are pretty big in the tournament scene over there, correct? Um. I don't know if I'd say pretty big. I'm slowly working my way up there. Um, I've been to six Marvel events now, so. Nice. That's pretty awesome. Do you kind of travel pretty, like, just locally, or do you kind of have a pretty no. wide berth? Oh, I'm willing to probably travel anywhere in the UK, I think, for Marvel tournaments. So the furthest I've been is Leeds, which, to put that into perspective, is a two-and-a-half-hour drive. Nice. This weekend, just gone, I've been to Derby, which was an hour away. So I'm pretty open to traveling around the country for it, to be honest. That's awesome. That's awesome. And so you you got drawn to this game because of Venom and the Marvel stuff and, and all of that. So that's really awesome. And you said that one of the things that you did previously was kind of like if you wanted to change a faction, you would just change the game. So what has kept you so engaged in Marvel Crisis Protocol, is it the system? Is it the characters? Is it the release schedule? Or is it kind of a combination of all of those things? I would definitely say it's a combination of all of those things because the the main thing about Marvel as well for me is that is isn't exactly a meta, I don't think. So in Lord of the Rings, for example, the Middle-Earth strategy battle game, yeah, it's not stagnant, but there are very clear dividers between what's good and what isn't. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Marvel, I feel maybe... Other than the Guardians of the Galaxy, which we all now have some problems, I think everything can definitely complete compete at a super high level. Yeah. So um, when I first got into the game, playing Web Warriors, I don't think there was anyone really playing them as the main 
faction, there's a lot of Brotherhood players, uh, not Brotherhood, sorry, a lot of Cabal players. Um, this was quite early days. And I just love the fact that I essentially took characters that I really like and they were super, super, well, in my opinion, super competitive. Yeah. And then it was a matter of, well, what about, say, Killmonger? I love Killmonger as a character. Picked him up, found out he can also be super competitive. So it was the fact that I could sort of take anything I want and mould it into my roster. I'm not limited to, say, a faction mm-hmm. as you are in, say, 40k. And I think that also creates an innate balance as well. Because in 40k, for example, if I have um, a certain unit that's just ridiculous, that's sort of my faction, but no one else can access that. And that's more sort of like my, my power of the other factions. Whereas in Marvel, Moldock, for example, people can um, say Moni's really competitive, but they also have the option to take him regardless. So I think that creates a lot of innate balance. Yeah, I uh, really agree with you on that because it's one of the things that I've said more often than not in this game is that there are things that are strong and there are combinations of things that one could say are meta. But realistically, we all walk up to the table kind of with even odds. Yeah, 100%, because we're not limited based on the decision we make of what affiliation we play, so... If I choose Web Warriors, but you were to say choose uh, the Uncanny X-Men. So we're both obviously committing to, say, two or three characters from that affiliation. Mm -hmm. But other than that, we could show up with an identical roster or we could show up with a completely different roster. Yep. And, And it's so funny to me how, like, really this game rewards the reps with your roster as a whole, with the entirety of a roster. And... That's one of the things that I really like about this game is that you can roll up to an event with something you just threw together and feel pretty good about it. Or yeah. you can tech it out and like really work on a roster, play, you know, 50, 60 games with a particular roster and and really figure out where it works, where its shortcomings are yeah. and stuff like that. So a lot of people obviously um Say like they don't see Web Warriors as being a top competitive faction. That's in sort of my local meta. But again, with what you're saying about reps, just to put into perspective, I think I've gone over 400 games now with this roster, Ooh. or a very similar roster. That's so much. <laughs> yeah. So, like I said, I don't like change. I'm happy to play the same roster. So I've never ever played without Miles, Gwen, and Venom as my core. Nice. And that's in all 400 of those games. So. I- um, I know what I'm doing with those. Do you know what I mean? I know their, what I can do, then their capabilities, how far I can push them. Right, exactly. And I think that's a, a huge advantage for when I'm playing. Yeah, and, and that's and that's just it, is is the knowing what your core is going to be. And in terms of roster building as a whole, I'm right there with you in terms of the core. You know, I like to have, like with my Web Warrior specifically, that 10-point core, and I like my 10-point yeah. core to be Miles, Venom, and Gwen most of the time. I will put in uh, Corbox Peter every now and again, but yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah, so I, I did an article called The Core of the Roster, and um, I think that it's pretty safe to say you could play every affiliation that way, where you have a, a core set of three characters that you will always play in every game. Obviously, if it's Black Order, it might be a core two characters, to so say Corvus mm-hmm. and Thanos, or... 
if it's a more widespread affiliation where you've got five, six, seven models on the table, obviously your core is going to be slightly bigger. But for the most part, I think each faction has a core of three characters that they always want to be taking. And if yeah. you're playing that affiliation, it's probably good to be getting the reps in with those characters. Absolutely. Absolutely. And with that, though, let's now talk about kind of what your roster looks like and uh, and see if we can, you know, figure some stuff out. Yes. So my roster, as I said, is built around the core, which is Miles, Gwen, and Venom. Um, so they're 10 for it. So when making my roster as such, I don't ever change what I take at a threat value, I don't think. So I think if I'm playing 18 threat, for example, mm -hmm. then I'm going to be playing Mars, Gwen, Venom with Corvus with the Reality Gem and Proxima. Whereas if I'm playing 20 threat, I am going to be playing with my core plus Scarlet Witch and Reality Gem Corvus. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of what my roster is built around. It's that I already know what I'm playing regardless of mission. Um, regardless of the opponent. And then that obviously lets me get the crazy amount of reps that I've got in with it. Right. So, yeah, each different threat value, the list basically slots together into what I'll take. So just to quickly run you through it, at 14 threat, it would be the core plus Killmonger or Daredevil. Okay. Then at 15 threat, it's the core plus Corvus with reality. At 16 threat, it's the core with Proxima and Baron Zima. At 17 threat, it's the core with Baron Zima and Killmonger, which is one that I particularly like. Then at 18, it's core with Corvus, with Reality Gem and Proxima. 19 threat, again, one that I particularly like, is the core with Killmonger and Corvus with Reality. And then 20 threat is my core with Scarlet Witch and Corvus Clive. Which, nice. That's just how I've always run them and always played the Web Warriors, not with that selection of characters, obviously. Um, for a long time, I wasn't actually using Corvus Glaive in reality, so I was taking Ebony more because he was the only fire threat I had access to. I got you. And uh, before Scarlet Witch, it was Angela. Before Daredevil, it was Black Panther. Um, back then, I had Shuri in my roster, so I could have played the Wakandan affiliation, although I never did. And then it sort of just... If a new free threat comes out, I'll wait up against more free threat. For example, Baron Zima. Mm -hmm. If I feel I can replace them and it will be better or it will just sink better, then I will. And that's just sort of how my roster builds. So it's sort of – it's um, like an active, continually changing roster as such. It, it, it changes ever so slightly as I move through it. And I'll maybe add a different character in and take one out every two, three months, if that. But sometimes – I think the last three tournaments I've had the same characters. So it uh, just depends, really. With the Marvel release schedule, it's great because it means every two or three weeks you've constantly got something new to look at and weigh up and try out, which is amazing. Exactly. that, And that's exactly it. I, I love that it it comes out that way. Like I, I know that it's kind of a double-edged sword. Like You've got all this new stuff constantly coming yeah. out, and as someone who who buys it all uh, personally and wants to play it all, it's kind of hard to keep up with. But yeah. for someone that's just kind of like, hey, I'm going to try this thing in my list and, oh, it's not going to work, cool, I don't have to buy the thing. That's yeah, yeah. interesting there. But let's talk about these characters because your Web Warriors are way different than a lot of Web Warriors lists I've seen out there. And I think it's really interesting. So would you say that you have more of a fighty Web Warriors squad going here? 
So I would definitely say that I can lean a lot heavily, a lot more heavily into um, an aggro build. But at the same time, at every fret value, I think my roster is a two-faced coin. So on one side of the coin, I want to get into the middle and beat the other team up and try and daze them all. On the other side, I want to absolutely control the game. Mm-hmm. Um, my last event, which was this weekend, I think a good example of this was my last two games, I played the exact same roster, same fret value. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the final, it ended up as a bit of a brawl against Black Order. Oh, which I was fine with. Yeah. Um, I had a couple of mistakes early on, but I made up for that. Whereas in the previous game, I also played against Black Order, a very similar list, and we had maybe six attacks across the five rounds. Wow. And I, I just won on points. So my roster definitely, at a first glance, might seem like I'm just trying to be all out aggro with them. But it is hugely about the control elements, the, the different tricks with, say, Ghost Spider and Venom's placement and uh, Proxima and Corvus pinging off one another and all the different things that they can do, really. Like, I've always said I could, I, I'm confident that if I could just gain the power I need every turn, I wouldn't actually have to do any attacks to win a game. Yeah. I could play the game and win objectives without dazing an enemy character, which I think that's what happened in the semi-final at the last event. I don't think either of us had anyone dazed after five rounds, which was amazing because I had Corvus with Reality Gem and Proxima with my Warriors, and he had Thanos with Mind and Time with Corvus, Reality and Proxima. So looking at that going in, you'd assume, wow, it's going to be a bloodbath. But you would think. It wasn't. Yeah, yeah. That's That's wild. That sounds wild and fun and like a whole different way to kind of explore those characters and yeah when when you're sitting there looking at you know your priority role or whatever like do you do you want to go and try to create a fight or do you have more of a like i want to run around the board and uh, try to play off kind of like when you're you know getting that priority. Yeah, let's so, say you win priority what's your choice there so oh in an ideal world for me i pick blues and i do demons downtown Okay. And then play at 19 fret unless I have an 18 fret and then I'll maybe play that. So in, in that situation, I'll be taking um, Corvus Reality Gem, Killmonger, Miles, Gwen and Venom. So on the face of it, that's a very angry, aggressive list. You know what yeah, I mean? That, that's a list that's going to try and daze you. But I am very open to how we play. I, I like to try and react to everything that the opponent does rather than have a lead in it. Yeah. So don't get me wrong, I will, when I need to step in and take the objectives, for example, but in the game that I was talking about where there were, wasn't many attacks, I was happy. I think we were playing scrolls and spider portals. I was happy to wait for him to attempt to get the scroll before I moved in and attempted to get it. Now, mm-hmm. I could have moved in and probably got it on my first roll, which is what I did do, and I could have done that a lot earlier in the game. But I'd rather risk him picking it up and then react to that and take the small points deficit at the start um, and then decide how we're going to play based on the, the, the state of the board and what's happening, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it really does, because I had a similar matchup in a tournament over the weekend. It was at NashCon, and I played into, uh, shout out to Finger Guns. Uh, if you played on the TTS, you know who that is. Um, but I played into him. He had Scrolls, and I don't remember what the secure was. I think it might have been Spider Portals. But... Yeah. Um, he got the scroll on Thanos turn one, first roll, yeah, yeah. you know, just 
moved up, got it after passing, I think three times because I had that many more activations than him. And that's the thing that I think I've found when it comes to Web Warriors, especially into like Black Order or something like that. Like if Black Order gets what it wants in terms of the extracts and gets to get those single things and they get it, it's really hard for me as a Web Warriors player that plays kind of just pure Web Warriors, just wide, little, very little attacking, stuff like that, to kind of make up that ground. And I really like the way your list here is designed. It's like, well, you don't care if he gets it because you're going to be able to kind of probably take down or at least put a serious hurt on whoever has it. And I really like that. 100%. So, like I said, it is more reactive and it responds to what they want to do. And I think all of the characters can sort of do different roles at the same time. So a lot of people just use Corvus super angry. Right. In um, the game I spoke about, and in a few games now, Corvus has actually picked up an objective and not done any attacks in the game. So I think my Corvus did one Atom Splitter in my last game that was like that, and nice. that was it. So it's um, a really expensive objective holder, but Corvus is an absolute tank in the Web Warriors. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I'm sorry to interrupt there. And I think a part of it also is you and I don't know, let's get your take on this. The mental aspect of Corvus. Like, okay, I'm gonna get this objective on Corvus. Now you've got to come to Corvus. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think it throws a lot of people off when they see a huge beat stick like Corvus pick up an objective and move backwards. And right. it's sort of like my entire roster then isn't in that scenario it's not trying to dig you anymore it's trying to manipulate the space around corvus and allow corvus to move and do exactly what he wants yeah yeah it's really really interesting take on that so it's definitely something that i, I think i might have to try in my web warriors because it sounds very crazy and very fun the um the thing is though i think the core miles gwen and venom they can all play super control and they all can also play super aggressive. So it's sort of a running joke about my girl spider. So I'll call her assassin Gwen because oh, yeah. Gwen on the turns where I set it up properly, will probably dies or KO whichever character I choose for her to. Yep. So, um, the ideal situation is all Gwen needs is free power Yep. and needs to be within range of a target. Then I'll say play all webbed up from Venomal Miles, and if I've got Scarlet Witch in the roster, I'll play the Whims of Chaos to fry over a Hex or Incinerate. So then Gwen does a freestyle beatdown, which is a six dice physical, boosted up to eight dice physical. Mm -hmm. um, I can choose to throw them. I tend to not throw them unless I have more power to webline them back in afterwards. So then I'll throw them away, let them take the extra damage, pull them back in. And then she'll do the spider technique, which I think is a hugely underrated attack. So Oh, I love it. It's four dice base, then you get the plus two for all webbed up, and then you get an extra three just for attacking them already this round. It doesn't have to be with a spider technique. It can be with any of her attacks, mm -hmm. which I think is great, and it, it can really catch someone off guard when you activate a free threat control piece like Gwen, and she dazes someone or, or, or chaos them and takes them out of the game. Oh, yeah. I 100% I agree. Like I think that... It's funny, the people always say that they know how good Gwen is. Oh man, Gwen's so good. She is so good, but it's because she fits so many multiple roles on the tabletop yeah, to me that it's just it's just crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, another thing I love about Gwen is, so 
a lot of people look at Lifesaver and like, oh yeah, it's great. It gets me out of trouble. Um, I actually look at it in times and go, oh yeah, it's great. It's going to get me into the trouble. And when I say that, what I mean is I can move Gwen in front of you. And then if you decide to take a pot shot at Venom with say Hawkeye, knowing that he's weak to his energy, mm-hmm. Gwen will lifesaver him towards you. So he'll be pulled in with the lifesaver and then he might be in range to counterattack. He might be in range to move up and make an attack the next turn. But it's it's not just an ability that lets you pull someone away. I 110% think it's just as useful for getting people where you need them on the board. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's it's not just... I use it more uh, as a reactive kind of save someone from an attack, but also I do like it in the, like, all right, well, I made, I made a mistake where I put this character, so let me yeah, yeah. fix that a little bit here. <laughs> yeah, she um, can make up some mistakes with placement, definitely. Absolutely. Especially if you can pull through her, because it's a... Um, it's a pull, so say you pull in Venom, you can place a movement all over Gwen with the pull. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that's one of the things I think most people don't quite understand. It's like, well, just because Venom's, or just because Gwen's basically right there next to you doesn't mean that you can't get around her to be further away than but, she is, you know? Yeah, well, if a lot of times if Gwen is in base contact with Venom, say, behind him, she's not only stopping him being pushed away, but she can still pull him away if she wants to. Mm-hmm. Same way if she's in front of him, she then can't be pushed, but she can slingshot Venom forward through her. Right. And, um, and whilst we're on the topic of things that I don't think are talked about enough for Web Warriors, so the Web Warrior defense reroll, there are so many times I will use it to reroll a success. So many times. To um, get that extra power? Yeah, so I get the extra power that I need. Um, 100% I think it's it's brilliant having the option to both re-roll the successes and failures. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting take on that because it's one that you don't see a lot of people do is is yeah, trying yeah. to re-roll the success. And it's one of the things that goes back to this, this game and like kind of a way to understand it, especially from a competitive perspective, is that, you know, the economy of power is so important mm-hmm. and... I know you know this as a Web Warriors player. It's one of the things I know as a Web Warriors player. If you're somewhat new to this game and you haven't really dabbled in Web Warriors, the one thing that they have a problem with is generating all the power they need to do all the stuff. Yeah. You know, so there you go. Yeah, I 100% recommend the idea of re-rolling your defense dice to get let some damage through, especially if it's on the second attack of a character because you know that you're going to be going next. You can get your character to safety even if they take the big hits or say... Someone's attacking Venom, you've already counterattacked. They're attacking them again, and they're going to put him on three health left because you've blocked two. Yeah. You can then re-roll one of those ones to get the extra power to do a We Are Venom, for example, um, which means you'll heal on your turn. So, yeah, you're taking a small loss there in the moment, but you're also enabling different things on Venom's turn. Um, with Moles as well, with all of the re-rolls, it's great because you can you can very precisely manipulate how much damage you take given the right circumstances um, and how much power you gain and what that allows you to do in response. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's really interesting. And it's one of those things that, again, all of this discussion comes about from getting those games in. And at the yeah. end of the day, that's definitely what you got to do. If you want to be a more competitive player, if you're a casual player and you're just having fun slinging dice, I mean, have fun, sling those dice, you know? That's yeah. the way I look at it. 110% definitely, yeah. Yep. The roster I use in um, tournaments, 
or I have like a, a tweaked version that I'll use for casual game. Uh-huh. So if I'm running that, obviously it's very different, but it's still, as I was saying before, still has the same core. So I'm still getting reps in with more roster in a sense, mm-hmm. which is the main thing. And all I think you can play, the, the great thing about Marvel is you can play competitively, you can play casually, and you can win or lose, and it will still be an enjoyable experience because it deals the way that a battle between superheroes would, which is the best part. Exactly. That is so much it in that it's it's fun no matter what you're doing. In my in my experience, like I, I think I've maybe had one negative play experience, and that was just one of those times where it's like literally the dice results just never seem to be right. You know, whatever. Look, that kind of stuff happens. That's not it's it, it's not indicative of the whole game. I think this game is yeah. just beautifully fun and it is wild and explosive and it is superhero battles to a T. Yeah, hundred percent. Yep. I love it. I love it. So one of the things I wanna get your take on something, because how I've tended to play my web warriors in the past and not the way I played them recently, but how I played them in the past was kind of more leaning into the defensiveness versus kind of more going for the um, be able to turn on the attacks. Like, I never really have a version of them where I'm able to turn on the damage, per se. Like, other than Gwen gets lucky or Miles gets, you know, somewhat lucky and all that stuff. Like, the all-webbed-up turn is always very strong. It always feels good when you're able to get that off. But one of the things I used to do is kind of put Doctor Strange with them to kind of boost up the defenses because to your point earlier, like we talked about, like, you know, sometimes taking that damage to get that power is good, but I feel like as a Web Warriors player, you're always kind of like living on the edge of about to go down. And yeah. that's kind of a hard place to to be, and it's a hard like mental space to be in, I feel like. But it's one that I've yeah. gotten more accustomed to lately, so I don't play Strange anymore in my Web Warriors. Mm-hmm. But I, I still love Strange, but, uh, you know. Yeah, Strange is great. The um, the current Strange is absolutely wicked. One of my friends plays him religiously, and he's a uh, defender, obviously, because he's a leader. But he's a um, really, really interesting character. I had looked at him before, because like I said, originally I was running Ebony Moore as a five threat. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Ebony Moore as a character, so I love the representation of him in the movies. I love the idea of it, but sadly, in the game, I think Ebony Moore's one step away from being good. I think he needs a little bit of a nudge. 100%. So after Ebony Moore, I tried four out for a couple of games. Um, and then it sort of was not a huge fan of... I love four as a character again, but I wasn't a fan of how he worked in the game. And obviously, at this point, I'm not looking at it from necessarily a purely thematic decision. At that point, I was looking at it as, okay, I'm building a roster for a tournament. Yeah. So it was either to take Doctor Strange or Angela, because obviously here in the UK we had that thing. I don't know if you know about it, but we got Angela like oh, six yeah. months ago, man. Yep, I, I had somebody mail me one from over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we've well, it's longer than six months. We've we've had it since like maybe coming up to a year now, maybe. Yeah. So uh, it was sort of I bought Doctor Strange and Wong, and I bought Angela. And I built Angela and used her and really enjoyed how she played. So I just never got around to using Doctor Strange myself, but I can 110% see the utility that he brings to the Web Warriors and how he really leans into that specific, we will not die, we are going to tank all of your um, all of your attacks. Exactly. And then with his Bolts of Bedevilment, being able to to push people around yeah. is 
just again that extra layer of control and yeah. i think that's more where i lean with my web warriors is leaning into the control and and trying to get those web lines and the the web snares and the throws and all that stuff off and just yeah. letting venom stand there and be like okay come chew through this and then i'm going to chew through you yeah so venom's incredible so it's quite funny even when I'm playing really aggro, I don't. I wouldn't say I use Venom as an aggro piece. I'd say Venom is probably my main control piece, even more so than Gwen at times. Oh, dude, he's such a good denial piece in so many yeah. ways, and he's. Let me see if you if you jive with this. So, like control wise, web snare, one of the best pulls pushes in the game. It's so great. The medium is amazing, and then you've got the throw on top of it. So there's those two things. But also, I just like the fact that the mental part of getting within range three of Venom means you're likely to get a, an attack back. And then that's, I feel like, a form of control in and of itself. Mm-hmm. 100%. Venom um, completely and utterly controls. I would say range three of him, obviously, is his, his, his ideal. But even at range four, you're at such a risk from the fact that he can pull you medium and suddenly you might end up within range two. Or you'll definitely be in range three, uh-huh. but he can pull you in that close. And then on top of that, he can also throw you. So he can make you make the equivalent of two medium moves, which is crazy. Yeah, it's insane, and I love it. <laughs> it's, it's like I, said, I feel like that there are tools to deal with Venom a little bit more these days, but still not 100%. Like, I think Cable is a good... Venom, you know, counter. I think Hawkeye's a good, a somewhat good Venom counter, but there's ways to get around those characters if you are a Venom player. And both of those characters aren't rolling such high stacks of dice that Venom mm-hmm. can't deal with it. Yeah, hundred percent. I um, Venom's invaluable to me. I think he's. I can't. I could possibly see, if it was possible to, I could see myself playing without models. Mm-hmm. If there was like a way of taking another free threat instead, maybe with Gwen, but with Venom, there's no question. I don't think I could play the way I play without him. He is such like a fundamental part of how the roster works. Him nice. and Lethal Protector together, it's just it. it so it, the list isn't based around that, but it works with it. If that makes sense. Oh yeah, no, that makes perfect sense to me, and that's really awesome because that's definitely something that I'm. Uh really in with and I actually tried to combine Lethal Protector and Heroes for Hire with Iron Fist in this tournament recently yeah. and it worked enough but it wasn't exactly the secret sauce that I wanted it to be but that is what it yeah. is I'd, I'd thought about that because I've played against the defenders with Luke Cage Iron Fist and Heroes for Hire a couple of times and how good it is so I had considered putting um, Iron Fist as a free threat or Luke Cage to replace possibly Baron Zemo. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm going to hold out for Moon Knight because we got the surprising fact that he's a web warrior. I so know. that was pretty cool. Oh, dude, I'm 100% with you. Moon Knight would have made such a difference in my list over the weekend. Like, I wanted yeah. Moon Knight so bad. <laughs> and, and it just didn't, you know, it was one of those things we thought he was going to be out, but he wasn't. And so yeah, here we, we are. We were expecting and then it was delayed. Yep. So. All that to say, that's awesome, and I'm glad that there's another Web Warriors player out there that plays at such a high level. Not to say that that I don't play at a high level, but I play and have a good time, and it's cool to see that uh, that you've really taken this roster and and played a ton of games with it. And 
have a pretty good record from it, right? Yeah, so tournament-wise, I've been to six events with it, and I am 22-0, and 0, so I've never dropped a game at an event, which is pretty crazy. That is very crazy. And I've got to ask, have you thought about playing on, like, Tabletop Simulator at all? Is that something that you're interested in doing? So I did at one point. Um, so, yeah, sorry, that's six in like six in-person events. I did – I signed up for a TTS league on a whim. So I, if, I think it was season – four and um oh, i won five of six games got through to this sort of season finale type thing mm-hmm. lost the game in that um i don't want to i don't know so i think it was a it was an awkward situation i placed a measuring tool on there um and i thought me and my opponent both thought we measured something in a certain way i pulled with venom and then the ref said that it actually caused a collision so, I just prefer the fact that in person it is. You, you could, obviously on TTS you have the exact, you're exactly precise in the sense that everything is where you place it. Exactly. But in person, it's a lot easier to place it where you want it, which is what I think is the main thing. Yeah, I, I'm with you like that. That's one of the things. I've, having played a lot of TTS at this point, one of the things you take for granted in when you play a lot of TTS is that everything is measured perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. And when you play on a level where you know what perfect measurements you're going to have, it's hard to come and play at a real table and say, well, I mean, this looks good. And it's, you know, like, I I think that there's, you've got to have that balance and at high level tournament play, everything should be as close to perfect as possible, but it's not going to be perfect. And yeah, it, it's impossible to in person because, I mean, all it takes is someone to knock the table and every model's moved a millimetre. That exactly. doesn't seem a lot, but it, of course it is, do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, with Marvel, as I said, I play lots of game systems. Marvel is by far um, the most precise system, maybe followed up by the Lord of the Rings strategy battle game. Marvel is 110% the standard of play and the game table Eckert is the highest I've come across. Mm-hmm. Um how precise and exact something is in terms of measurement. I think at every level of play, casual and competitive, it's very, very high, which is something that I do like. It it, it does make me happy to see that the game is played so well, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Uh, it makes 150% sense. It's it's always a good time. It's always casual. Uh, casual, even in a competitive world, it's still like, oh, oh shoot, you know, let me – you know, we're doing this thing, you know, intent matters, all that stuff. So, yeah, yeah. You know, 100%. I, I think intent is a huge thing as well. I completely and, um, agree. The social contract between players as well, that's a huge thing. Yep. I, I 100% agree with you. And, and you know, we, we've all had those experiences out there where, where someone doesn't necessarily honor that social contract, like you said, or, or is kind of, you know, some kind of way about it. But at the yeah, end of the day, so- you know, it doesn't ruin my experience with the game overall, and I do encourage everyone out there to just enjoy, have fun, and and try to, you know, respect each other when you're out there on the tabletop and and with that social contract and and say, you know, let that intent matter and you know 100%. have that conversation across the table. I think that's really important. Yeah, that's something that I try and declare. And um, just to go back to TTS quickly. 
So I think it's phenomenal. I think the way everything is loaded up on there is insane. The maps are insane. Mm-hmm. The Discord community is insane. It's crazy. Like the accusers all know exactly what they're talking about. Um, I had a negative experience with, not with TTS, but whilst on TTS. Yeah. So um, I come from a dual heritage background, so I'm mixed race or coloured, or however you want to say. Mm-hmm. And I had a guy I was playing just randomly started coming out with all these comments about black people halfway through the game. Whoa. So you don't, I know it sounds silly, but that really threw me off and put me off. And I was like, yeah, I'd never thought about it, but the, there is a social contract on TTS, but there is also the aspect that someone could say whatever they like and hang up or cut off the game. And there's nothing you can do about it. True story. And that that's terrible. I'm sorry yeah. to hear that. No, it's cool. Um, I don't want to say that's the reason I stopped playing TTS. The reason I stopped playing TTS is because I could play in real life. Luckily, I'm very blessed to have a gaming store that I'm sponsored by, which is Board in Brum, which is also very local to um, to where I live. Am I am I okay to say the link to their website or? Uh, yeah, sure, it's fine. It's it's cool. Yeah, so it's uh, UK based. It's just boardinbrum.co.uk. It's not bored as in you falling asleep. It's bored as in <laughs> uh, the kind of table you play on, like board games. So I'm very blessed to have this venue. And um, not long after the restrictions were raised, I was playing in person again. And I think that's the main reason I don't play TTS. Because as we were saying about um, precise measurements, mm-hmm. so I know in my head, I can eye up things very well um, in, in Marvel. Same. I can't, um, I could, uh, when I was playing TTS a lot, I could do that. But in between swapping back from the two, it sort of threw me off a little bit. So I'll just play in real life, almost as a purist, I would say. Not that there's a problem with it, but it's easier for me to stay on top of, like, eyeing things up and be more consistent with everything in person. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, cool. But, um, yeah, what happened with TTS, I'm not going to name anyone or who it was. That threw me off a little bit, but it's not the reason I stopped playing TTS. It's just, like I said, I'm blessed to have lots of local venues I'm in. My gaming shop, so tonight it is Tuesday, which is the biggest night for Marvel at our store. So just a casual gaming night, nothing really pre-arranged. We can have like six, seven games of Marvel going on at once. Nice. Which is just just great. It's phenomenal. And um, Boarding Broom has all the different terrain that we need. It has all the stock. So I'm currently in the office of the stock room. I think there is at least one of every box that's currently out in stock. Maybe a couple of missing because there is a lot now in mine, but... It's just great to have this venue. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And definitely playing in person is is definitely, it's it's my preference. It, it's just more fun. Yeah. It's it's a whole thing. And, and yeah, I, I highly encourage if you're able, if, you know, you know, vaccinations, lockdowns, all that stuff, yeah. highly encourage people going out and playing in person if they are able and feel safe doing it. And, you know, if you, if you want to mask up, mask up. You know, that's the way I look at it. Yeah, and, um, I think the main thing to mention there is as well is respect what your opponent wants as well. So yep. I choose not to wear a mask because I, I, I'm i not asthmatic or anything, but I just struggle to breathe properly when I'm wearing a mask. In a tournament setting, I was asked to wear one and that's completely fine. Like, that's not a dick move from my opponent. That's part, sorry to swear, but that's it's okay. part of it. Like, and you have to um, accept that. And I think as long as everyone's willing to be respectful of one another and each other, that we are safe to game at the minute with the vaccinations and whatnot. And, um, yeah, I would definitely say if you've been playing on TTS, try and give it a go in person if you can, because it is 
it's not the game isn't better itself, but I think it's more enjoyable in terms of like we said, the social contract and whatnot. Yep. Yeah, hundred percent. It's it's yeah, you can't you can't replicate that in person feel. Gotta say, and this game, it's this is the last thing I'm gonna say about this. This game, for the majority of its life, has been a part of this pandemic. And yeah, it's very it's crazy, weird. really. <laughs> you know, like we haven't actually. It feels like we haven't had the the great opportunities until recently to start really building this community. And so, if you're out there playing, I encourage you to to find some some locals to play with and just build the community up because it's it's a great yeah, game. And I can't. I hope to see it grow even more than it already has. Yeah, I don't know what it's like over by you, but um, over here, so there's gaming shops. Probably one gaming shop within an hour, half hour of every other gaming shop. So there there are a lot. There's a a lot of really good venues, like I said. Obviously, more place that I play is Boarding Brum. Um, but if you can, if you can put the time in and the work, a community will create itself. So there wasn't a huge community of Boarding Brum to start with, and now the, there's just an absolutely phenomenal community here, and we have mm-hmm. new people getting into the game all the time. Um, and don't let it put you off if no one's playing in your area at the minute, because you can definitely build up to it. And Marvel is the fun, engaging game where people who want to play all different kinds of levels can, and it's got that entry level. So if, if you're worried there's, there's not a community already established in your area, be the person to go forward and do that, because it's definitely doable. Oh, 100%. And if you want to talk about new stuff to start building a community with, I think it's time that we talk about this recently revealed Doctor Strange. What about you? Yeah, 100%, man. So first things first here, we like to talk about the model. And this is one that I really like. I, I like the original Strange model a lot. Like, it's cool, but it's kind of awkward. Uh, but this one, though, I just, I love this look. I think it looks awesome. It's it's going to be awesome on the tabletop, I think. Yeah, so the current Doctor Strange, I'm actually building one for a friend of mine. Nice. At the minute. Um, it's very... I don't want to say monopoles because obviously it's monopoles. It's one model, but it, it feels very static. Yeah. There's not, despite the fact that obviously he's got the whirling portals, he's got the magic around him. It is very, I've just got an image of it up right now and it, it, it feels monopoles. I know, I know it sounds silly to say, but. No, no, I, I think, I'm not, yeah. I'm not a huge fan of it personally. Um, the new Doctor Strange on the other hand, I'm a big fan of it. We've coming out of the, Coming out of the portal sort of thing with, um, is it the Dormammu-type uh, orbs he's got stuck behind him? Yeah, yeah, something like that. It, I just think it's really dynamic. Yeah, yeah. Which, um, what character is he coming with again? He comes Sorry, with Clea. One? Clea, yes. She, we haven't seen her card yet, have we? Nope. Probably Thursday. And she, Clea, just quickly talk about her. She's Dormammu's niece, I think, isn't she? Well, she's really remember. <laughs> yeah, she's um, she's related to Dormammu in some way. I when I first saw the model, thought it was different planets in the background, so as if Doctor Strange was literally stepping through from almost drifting through like the galaxy, and then yeah. I realised it was the Dormammu energy. And yeah, loves all the dynamic, the stepping through the portal, like it's so cool coming from Dormammu. The only thing, and this is a very nitpicky thing for me. But the only thing that's going to be frustrating is it looks like just the tiniest tip of his foot's hanging on back there. Yeah, I can see that. It, it, it's definitely 
Uh, are you in the sense that it's going to be quite fragile? Is that what you mean? Yeah, uh, yeah, he's going to be a candidate for getting a, a pin driven up his leg and into the base. I think a, a big thing, though, um, uh, in in no bad way to whoever painted the original models, but a lot of the paint jobs on some of the core box models and some of the earlier models weren't as good as what we're getting now. And I think this is a, a great example of how the the box art and the, the painting has come along with Atomic Mass games with the new characters. Oh, yeah, this looks amazing. It, it's great. It just looks really, really, really well done. I mean, it's got the 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 light painted in around the sort of portal that he's stepping through, whereas if we look at the older Doctor Strange, the box art for that, it, the, there's no glow or anything. It just looks great. It just looks really, really brilliant. Yep. I love it. I'm excited for this model, and I am I'm probably don't know what I'm going to paint it like when I paint it, but it's going to be beautiful, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm more. So it's it's quite funny. I don't actually own that many um, different boxes of characters. I have a few. I have the ones I like as well. Yeah. But I might pick this one up. It is very nice. Yeah. And I, I do like the clear model. I mean, there's there's nothing fancy about the clear model, which is pretty cool. No, yeah, just it looks cool. I like how she's kind of stepping down off yeah. that energy or stepping up, whatever you want to look. It looks, yeah, it looks cool. Yeah. But let's talk Doctor Strange, the Sorcerer Supreme, Stephen oh, yeah, Vincent Strange. So it is important to note that when you're roster building, you can only have one version of a character's alter ego in your roster at a time. So you can't have this version of Doctor Strange and the other version of Doctor Strange in your roster. You have to commit to one or the other because they are both Stephen Vincent Strange. So uh, just. To- Sorry, just to clarify that as well, because I do get asked this a couple of times. What that means is it's the roster itself, not the team that you use when you play. Because I've I've had a couple of people in the lot. Oh, I've got both um, both Peter Parkers in my roster. Which one would you drop? And I'm like, well, you can't have both. Right. And like, well, surely it's when you play the game. I'm like, no, in your actual roster, you can't have two of the same. Correct. I think that's a a, a big differential to point out, just so people know. If you're looking at building a roster, you're not going to be able to have both Strange in the roster, not the team, but the roster itself. Yep, 100%. So definitely worth clarifying there. So thank you for that. And we've got a top stat line here of six stamina. He moves medium. He's size two, threat value of five. He has a physical defense of three, an energy defense of three, and a mystic defense of five. And I do think it's also important to note here, if you look at the comparison between him and Clea, it appears as though Strange is still on a 50mm base, so we're going to operate under the assumption that he's on a 50mm base. So, kind of a a little bit of a normal stat line there for a 5-threat character, right? I mean, it's nothing too crazy. The 5 Mystic is good, but the 6 Stamina, I feel like, is a little on the lower side. Yeah, so it's definitely... On the lower side, having six stamina. I'm trying to think of the other five threats who have six stamina. So we've got Scarlet Witch, don't we? Um, uh, the Amazing Spider-Man also has six yep. stamina, I believe. Yep. But, um, I don't think it's anything necessarily bad because, as we'll see in a minute, his superpowers mean his defenses are very reliable. Um, Absolutely. He's going to be blocking quite a lot of damage. Absolutely. And, and the original Strange also has six and six on his stamina value so this strange is the same six and six but it's still just you know you would think like a new version might have some changes here but i don't think these changes 
are the important ones for Doctor Strange. I think it's about what we're about to talk about here, and that would be the attacks. Would you like to go over those? Yeah, so the first attack that we've got is the Baleful Bolts of Balthak, I think it's pronounced. So it's a range free five dice mystical attack. Um, it's your basic builder, so after the attack is resolved, you gain power equal to the damage dealt. However, it does also have on the trigger of a Wild, the Pierce Special Rule, which uh, changes one of the defending characters' crits, wild or blank, or shield rather, to a blank. This is always a great ability to have. There are very few characters that count blanks as defenses, so most of the time you're reducing the enemy's um, number of blocks and therefore pushing through more damage. Good to builder, having Pierce is great because that's it's not guaranteed to get you more power, but across the game you'll probably find that Pierce will come into play and you'll get the power as a result of dealing the damage that way. Oh yeah, Pierce is so great. It, it definitely allows you to kind of get that little bit of extra through there, and I really love it. Yeah, and I mean, again, it's it's not that often, but if you look at characters like, say, Carnage, who has one Mystic Defense, you you, you can all, almost look at, it, look at it, especially with the re-rolls that Strange has access to, that they're rolling no defense dice. Unless they get a crit and another success, they're not blocking anything. You're rolling straight damage, and, and that makes it a lot easier to plan ahead with what power you might have or the damage you might be doing, if that makes sense. 100%. And it also is worth noting the timing of a pierce, because this is something that I don't think we talk about enough overall yeah. in the game. I think we take it for granted. So in the timing chart in the rule book, the pierce for the uh, for when you, as the attacker, use a pierce, it happens mm -hmm. in step nine, but part B. So basically what happens is if you're attacking someone who's in cover and they switch a die to be a block... The pierce happens after that. So it's players yeah. modify their dice, then they modify their opponent's dice. So pierce is going to be one of the last things that happens in terms of dice modification, which makes it even that much stronger. Yeah, I think another notable thing about pierce is during the attack sequence, this is how it used to be as far as I'm aware. I'm not sure. I don't play Modoc myself. But with a character like Modoc that um, doesn't count wilds as successes or however it's worded rather mm -hmm. pierce still works against modok i'm pretty sure because uh, of the timing of it correct so players modify the opponent's dice and the attackers does things first followed yeah, by yeah. the defender modok being the defender in that case yeah yeah so that's another nice little thing to um always remember again i think it is mostly just modok that, that affects but he's, he's a very dominant character it's a good thing to bear in mind that pierce does still work against him Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I really like this attack as a builder. I do wish it was range four instead of range three, but I think we'll be all right. What's the next one? Yeah. Um, so the next attack that we have, there's a lot of alliteration here. So we have the Deadly Daggers of Daveroth. Um, it's a range five, six dice attack. It costs one power. Now, it is a physical attack in the sense that that's the symbol it has on the card. But as you can see in the first line of text, it says before choosing a target, this character chooses whether this attack is a physical mist uh, physical energy or mystic attack, which is absolutely huge. Love it. Uh, range five, being able to choose whatever damage type you like, including mystic, is phenomenal. It's all, when, when players look at Hawkeye, one of the big things is he can switch between physical or energy, I believe, on his basic attack. Mm -hmm. So strange, well, this strange opens up the option to switch between any type of damage. Which is huge. It's phenomenal. Um, the second part of this attack is if it deals damage, after the attack is resolved, the target character gain, 
the target character gains a poison special condition. Um, I think there's a lot of synergies already with that. Obviously, the immediate one for poison is Omega Red. Yep. Um, possibly in the future we'll get more with that because I feel at the minute they, they are going through a phase of really bringing to the surface the power of different conditions, as we've seen with Blade, for example, with the Bleed special condition. Yeah. So maybe in the future we'll get another character that really synergizes with the poison special condition, which would be really cool to see. It would be. I agree. And I really like this attack. I mean, range five, six dice. Cable wishes he had this attack. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. It's, um, it is feels more like they're throwing like a battle axe at you rather than a dagger when you look at the For stats real. and how it uh, ranks up. For real. And I think this is one of those attacks. Like, let me get your take on this. So, like, the poison is kind of gravy, but realistically, it's just the fact that you're able to change that attack type to whatever attack type you want, and you're able to do it at range 5, which yeah. really stops a lot of the kind of reactive things that some characters have access to. So I really, really it, like this. It's insane. It's like Venom, for example, as I was saying, he wants you at four for, uh, at range 4. Mm-hmm. You can stand with this Doctor Strange at range 5, not really caring, and just go, right, here's some energy attacks, deal with it. Exactly. Um, as we've seen more recently... Uh, characters like Carnage or Mysterio have some defenses that are only one. And I think another really notable thing here is because of the chosen of Vishanti superpower, where Strange gets an extra two power in the uh, hero phase. Way to jump the gun. Yeah, sorry. Goodness. Sorry to jump that one, but Goodness. a nice little combo to remember here is if you're yeah. against Mysterio, where you need to pay two power to reduce their defenses, you're doing that turn one and then choosing which attack type it is it's it's phenomenal the, the sort of things that this opens up oh absolutely it it i'm 100 percent with you i think that the the ways that you're going to be able to apply this is going to be really impressive and i think that more often than not just just off the cuff hot take this is the attack you're going to be doing with this strange more than anything else yeah 100 percent. because you've got the power available to do it again sorry for jumping the gun there but um it's there, it's available, you can do it, and you have the option of just picking their lowest defense. It's just great, it's just phenomenal. Exactly. So, what's the next attack? Because there's three of them. Yeah, so the third attack is the Shining Circle of the Seraphim. So, it's an Area 2 mystical attack. It rolls seven dice, and it costs six power, which might seem like a lot to begin with, but once you start reading the rules, you, you, you see what you're paying for. So, not only is it a seven dice mystical attack, uh, the first special rule, which is automatic, is allied characters in range of this attack do not suffer damage from this attack. So that's a, a nice little bonus. You don't have to worry about having your friendly characters taking the one damage that they normally would for an area attack. Exactly. And then the first trigger, where you need one wild, is cleanse. So after each attack is resolved, you can remove one special condition from this character and each allied character within two of it. Now, it doesn't hit specifically say it needs to be the same special condition here. Mm-hmm. So, if if your strange is, is uh, incinerated, and say Wong is stood next to him and he's hexed, you're able to remove both of those, I believe. Then after that, we have I think it's pronounced Salve. Yeah. And uh, that's on a wild and a shield result or a block, and it's after each attack is resolved, remove one damage from this character and each allied character within two of it. So this is as much. It's going to be dealing damage outwards it's also going to be removing and healing on the inside 
So the more people you're hitting with this, I mean, a seven dollars attack, you're probably getting a wild. You can very quickly clear up a lot of conditions, especially if you're hitting three or four enemies. Oh yeah. Um, I think this is going to be an absolutely insane attack. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of area attacks. I've I've never really seen anyone use them in tournaments other than myself. But Devil's Deliverance, for example, oh, is it's the best. a phenomenal attack. I absolutely love it. Carnage, I think, has probably got the best area attack in the game currently. Yeah. And I think the strength of these area attacks comes from when they have a, a uh, say, a wild trigger or a wild block trigger like Strange. They are rewarding you for hitting more people on top of the fact that you're hitting more people, which is a good thing in itself. Oh, absolutely. And this is a really nice one. I think seven dice is kind of like the sweet spot. And yeah, definitely. I, I think that this is one of those attacks that most people reading this will probably say, oh, I'll probably not use it very often. But I think you're going to see this one used somewhat regularly, like medium amounts regularly, because I think it has yeah. a utility outside of typical other area attacks. And if you can set it up where maybe you've got a couple characters that are in danger, maybe they've been hurt a little bit, have some conditions on them, and then you can run Strange up there, do the Shining Circle, and then heal, take those conditions off, and then make your team that much stronger for the next turn, yeah. I think is really valuable. I think what you'll find is there'll be times where you can only get within range of one enemy character, but you're still going to be doing this attack because, say, on an all-webbed-up turn, you don't need to be hitting multiple enemy characters. If you're hitting one enemy character and you get that cleanse, then you're taking the slow, strange, and all friendly characters within two of them, which is huge. Exactly. And that's the thing. It's each allied character within two. So I think this also encourages a play style with this new strange that is going to be kind of more tight-knit, if you will, which yeah, yeah. is really interesting to me. Yeah, so I think it's going to encourage more of a, a sort of a cage almost that's a term that they'd use when playing blood bowl so you have your central piece that you're trying to protect which would be the ball carrier mm -hmm. and then you have your rest of your positionals and moving in around him obviously in this case they're benefiting from that but that's the sort of play that this is going to encourage i think yeah 100 100 agree with that so i'm really interested to see how people go about using this attack and i like all of these attacks i think that Everything in these attack profiles says to me that this is a strange that's going to be way more in the thick of it, and I'm really yeah. excited to see how that plays out. This this is, going back to the model, you can tell this is the model that has just stepped back into the regular world from Dormammu's universe like it was nothing. Exactly. You know, gliding in, he has the power to do that. He has the strength to do that. He, this is... Sorcerer Supreme, Doctor Strange, and I think these attacks really show that he's not messing around. Do you know what I mean? He he's hearing he means business with what he's doing. Oh, absolutely, I absolutely think that. And speaking of the ways that he means business, let's now talk about his superpowers. One of which we already spoiled, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, so, I'm really sorry. I've not um, done a podcast before. I jumped the gun a little bit there. Not nah, it's you know what it's okay because it makes sense and it's cool and uh, you know. I, I like talking about all the stuff as a whole. And there's certain things that you kind of got to talk about in conjunction with other things. So there you go. Yeah. I First. think, um, not to take away from this, but I did an article on Crossbones today. Yeah. And it's really hard to keep it in the format that I normally do, which is attacks followed by superpowers, just because I feel like superpowers is what really makes Crossbones and what gives them a lot of play. You know, the aggressive, mm -hmm. the uh, reduction of damage. 
So it was it was quite difficult to talk about the attacks and his basic stats without referencing that. I got through it in the end. I sort of mentioned them and then explained a bit later on. But um, I think superpowers and attacks go hand in hand, and that's where the strength comes from. They really do. Like, web kick's a great attack on Miles. Uh, web long kick, rather. Which yep. web swing that really pushes it over the edge. 100%. That's it. You know, talking about the web line kick is like, okay, it's good. But the when you add the web swing, like I pretty yeah. much never use it without the web swing. Yeah, 100%. So uh, with that now, let's talk about Strange here. And he has an active superpower. So that means you have to use it on your turn. The scalpel of Strange. It'll cost you four power. So that's a lot for a superpower here. Choose this character or a character within range two and place it within range three of its current position. A character can be placed by the superpower only once per turn. And Aaron, let me ask you, did you hear a key phrase or maybe there was a key omission in who can be targeted by this? So it doesn't mention enemy characters specifically. You can use this on friendly or enemy characters. It's crazy. Wow. That is a level of control that I don't think we've really seen in this game yet. Yeah, we, we, we've seen a, a similar sort of thing with um, certain Thanos builds. Obviously, you've got the ability to, I think, move enemy characters, advance them. Yep, the, uh, the Cosmic Portal and then the Mind Gem, stuff like that. Which, um, that, that's... I don't think it's the same level, but it's a pretty similar concept of control. This level of control of a, a range free place is is mental. It's insane. It's um, great. <laughs> it's great. And it, 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 four power is a lot, but this is a powerful yeah. effect. Yeah, it won't come into it won't be a situation that happens very often either. But if you if you're at, at the top of a round where you took a beat in last round or you, you laid one out, you know, you've got nine, ten power. If you can do this twice, you could potentially put a distance around, say, like 12, 13 inches between Proxima and Corvus, because it says a character can be placed by the superpower once per turn. Right. So this means you can pick different characters and do it twice. Right. This is huge. It's it's huge, and, I mean, dice are always going to dice, but there's a, there's a scenario where if you're loaded up on power, you could do this three times in a turn. Yeah, 100%. Because getting a couple attacks off and everything, I mean, just... The the use cases for this are insane. It's going to be awesome. And to me, like as attacking and and all that stuff that I think you're going to want to do with this strange. To me, this is the meat and potatoes. This is what makes this character work so well. Right here is the scalpel of strange. And as you already mentioned, he has a way to have a little extra power right off the jump, and that is an innate superpower called the Chosen of Vicenti during yeah, the power phase. Cool this character gains two additional power. So he starts with three. That's awesome. That's Hulk. He's only one of it's, it's, it's great. Huh. Like... Uh, as you mentioned, on a medium-sized base as well, you've got the potential to move once, do a Baleful Bolt of Balfak attack, get the one power that you need, and suddenly you've just completely thrown someone off out of position turn one. Exactly. It's the first round, and you have absolutely messed with where they want to be. Yep. And my kind of one of my favorite things to do with stuff like that is 
move up and then put a character that's already activated closer to the rest of my team so I can beat the shit out of them. Yeah, because when, when you, this, is, this is another a great trick in the Web Warriors. So you've got the Web Line and the Web Snare. Mm-hmm. If you do the Web Line first, obviously you're guaranteed to get the power to do it if you use an Impact Webbing. And then Venom, all he has to do, move up and do one damage on his basic. He gets the power to do a Web Snare. You can have somebody within range two of where your character's deployed. You set yeah. this up properly, Corvus can be doing a double strike turn one if he's in your roster, for example. The Scalpel of Strange is that with exact precision. It's not a pull, so you're not obstructed by what they're around, by the fact that there could be terrain or intervening characters. It's a place. You're essentially making an enemy character web swing wherever you like. Yep. I'm just... This is just so good. <laughs> it's so yeah, good. When I, when I um, first saw the card earlier, my first thoughts were, wow, that's uh, a lot of innate superpowers and not many others. And then I realized how good this is as an active superpower and went, yeah, fair play, that's uh, that's pretty strong. Yeah, and, and that's and that's just it. Like it's, it's so many innate superpowers, but this here just really opens up all the possibilities in my humble opinion. And I just, I can't wait to see what, what happens here with, with all of this. Cause I think it's going to be very exciting. And yep. next up, let's talk about his eye of Agamotto innate superpower. So it's exactly the same as it is on the regular strange. This character can modify and reroll failure results. This character may reroll all of its attack or defense dice once per attack. So taking that consistency to a whole other level. I mean, it, it just keeps getting better and better on top of what we've already seen with his attack. So this is another thing when I was saying really ties into the the attacks and the superpowers going hand in hand. Absolutely. So if you, if you don't get that wild and that block in the uh, shining circle of the Seraphim, you can try again. Exactly. And I mean, at that point, sorry to keep going you off, but at that point you're rolling two sets of seven dice. Again, you can never guarantee that you're going to get the result you want, but asking for one wild on that many dice, you're getting pretty close to guaranteeing it. A hundred percent. And I was sorry to interrupt you, like, because I'm just, I, I agree with you so much on this right here. I think it's just, it's just great. It's, it's. I love I have Agamotto. To me, it's the best re-roll in the game, personally. Yeah, it, it's phenomenal. Um, obviously. The one downside you could almost argue is that you have to reroll all of it to tackle defense dice, but you, you also have the plus side of you're doing this after you add crits. So you can almost look at it as your first roll. All you're doing is trying to get crits to yep. add more dice. It doesn't matter what they are because it's your second roll that counts. So say you do a Balfour Bolt of Balfak, you get two crits. I know it's, it's, it's quite a spot. You get two crits. Now you've got a seven dice mystic attack. That you're going, to, you're about to be able to roll if you're not happy with what you've already got. It's disgusting, and I love it. <laughs> it's super brilliant, yeah. So the deadly daggers. I mean, you're just really, really stacking on the power that that attack has, because now you're at range five, so you can do it from wherever you want, wherever you you're comfortable attacking, or, or where you're comfortable defending from. You can then choose their weakest defense, so mystic energy physical. You've got the power innately to avoid things like enchantresses, extra defense dice, mysterios. Mm-hmm. And then on top of all that, after you, you, you're severely punishing them and putting them in a, in a really difficult position, top of all that, you can choose to reroll all of your attack dice if you're not happy with them. 
It is the sauce, my friend. It is the sauce, and I love it. It's brilliant. So next innate superpower here. This one's got a little bit of extra text on it, so bear with me on that. It's the mystic armor of Strange. When this character is defending against an energy or mystic attack, for each wild in the defense role, it may change one of the attacker's criticals, wilds, or hit results to a blank. This character gains one power for each die changed this way, and then finally he has flight, but let's talk about the Mystic Armor of Strange. It's MODOK! Yeah, it's... Except he gets uh, power. It's mental. <laughs> it's so it good. Is, it's so good. It's crazy. I mean, not only... I mean, as we said earlier, his, his stats, his defensive stats, in a sense, are pretty average for a five threat character. But with the Eye of Agamotto rerolls and this on top of that, if if you get two blocks and one of them's a wild, that's equivalent of three blocks. Um, and I think what's also really good is if you get a wild, you can cancel certain triggers for the enemy. So a, a flurry, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is how the timing works. So you can choose to get rid of their wild. So it's just crazy. Yeah, it's it's pretty nuts because basically you don't start counting the successes until the end of like triggering effects. So like yeah, you can turn off turn off things like flurry, turn off the so the wild pierce will happen before the defense. Yeah, so you still get the pierce through. But the the other effects out there, just there's so many, there's too many to name. But you can all shut those off. And I said it was Modok. It's really not Modok. Like Modok cancels wilds in the attack roll. This is yeah. when Strange rolls wilds, good things happen. So it's 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 not Modok. But I also just I think it's super cool. I think it's super cool. It, it's crazy. So the amount of denial this offers you, because the, we're getting a lot of attacks now. Obviously. To begin with, we had quite a few attacks that were single dodge triggers. So you get a wild, you get the effect you want. I mean, just looking at Strange, for example, Salve, it's a, it's a two dodge trigger. You need a wild or a block. The odds of getting multiple of both of those are not very high. So the fact that you can roll one wild and get rid of your opponent's, say, um, say their their block result that they need, it's great. You're just instantly shooting down the the rules on another on the on your opponent's cards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's sweet. I love it. And I, I just can't wait to get this character on the table because I think he's going to really be interesting. And once he's on the table, where do you think affiliation wise, he is a best fit? Just quickly as well. I'm sorry, before we talk about that, yeah. the icing on that, the icing on the cake for that superpower is Strange gets a power. Yeah. Each changed in this way. We didn't even mention that. Yeah, he, he gets, gets the power. He's doing all of that, and he gets power for it. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing, and I want it all the time. Yeah, he, he looks incredible as a character card. He sure does. But, uh, so, yeah, affiliations. So, I mean, we've got so many now, haven't we? We've got 16 we affiliations yeah. currently released. Um, I think that's including convocation though yeah so, so not technically currently released so let's do this what about a top three that you think he fits well into so i mean i mean it's really quite hard to say i mean he doesn't get any use out of say avengers for example correct um he, he's not getting much use out of 
just to work through them quickly, he's not getting much use of out of Cabal because he already, uh, this is Red Skull Cabal because he already has the, mm-hmm. the the power that he needs. Um, so they're the first two that come to mind for me that he doesn't really want to be in. In terms of what he wants to be in, I mean, I think he's going to fit into quite a lot very easily. I completely I think, agree with you. I think that off the off the cuff right here, I'm maybe stealing a little thunder because I asked you this first, but I'm going to steal it right here. So I'll go for it. I think Midnight Suns, like, so we know that Doctor Strange is affiliated with Midnight Suns. We don't know if Doctor yeah. Strange, Sorcerer Supreme is. So even if he's not affiliated, though, I think Midnight Suns is a very interesting place for him because that range one place on that 50 yeah. millimeter base is going to be really good. He, he really, it's, it's not just the place he gets himself, but it's the fact that you can be doing your double activation. So you can be doing two attacks with side blade and then using the range one, range one place to get back in range two of strange of, of the strange rather, which is what he wants. Yep. So like we talked about earlier on, he, he's encouraging his build master cage and the midnight sun's uh, leadership is great for that. Yeah. I mean, you could almost argue, in a sense, the Uncanny X-Men is going to, um, in a Storm's leadership, it, it fit into that quite nicely. Obviously, it's not a super competitive uh, leadership, in my opinion, obviously. But the, a 50 mil base is great for anything when it comes to placing within range of such as these. Oh, um, absolutely. Absolutely. So I mean, I'm with you there. What else you got? So... um. Criminal Syndicate, I mean, I think he'll have a place there, maybe. Yeah, that could be you, really interesting. So say you've got a character on you, on the the middle gamma shelter. Their character has two models. So your opponent has to move two models in just to negate that. You scalpel a strange one of those models away, or even turn one scalpel a strange one of your models onto their home gamma shelter. Yeah. They can have one there protecting it. If they're committing two people to the home gamma shelter, and you have the op, and that's not even they don't even know if you're going to push that threat, they have to do that just to make sure you don't. the The amount of control that gives you, the, the fact you can just instantly snipe an objective, you just go, "Cool, that one's now mine," because I count as having two characters. Yeah, it's yeah, crazy. that's gross and awesome, and I love it. And then uh, I would be remiss. I feel like if we didn't say that he could have some really seriously fun play in Web Warriors. Yeah, so that's that's one I've been looking at all the different uh, powers and thinking about. He will seriously, I mean, yeah, definitely. Some of the things he adds to Web Warriors. I mean, Venom, obviously a small mover, putting him where within range three of his current position on a fifty mil base is absolutely massive. Oh man, yeah. Uh, <laughs> And you don't have to. And then, like, I love Lethal Protector in a lot of ways, but you don't necessarily have to have Lethal Protector if you're able to move Venom about with Doctor Strange. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Um, I'm I'm just looking at the characters I've got in my roster. Obviously, my core comes to mind. So the Scalpel of Strange to put, say, Miles to safety. I mean, Miles already can move a phenomenal amount across the board. Oh yeah. If Miles picks up a couple of hammers or a couple of objectives. He's then got the potential to move medium, move medium, place himself within three. And then if you're still worried at that point, which you probably shouldn't be, Strange can go, you know what? Have another range three place. Mm-hmm. The, the movement shenanigans this allows 
I mean, suddenly you're looking at characters that the main weaknesses are the slow and, and strange is absolutely getting rid of that. Four four power to pay to do this is a lot, but he's going to have that power. Yep. I mean, from turn one, you can be doing this. It's suddenly, great, yeah. Advanced R&D to just get him that four power and boom, there you go, game on. I don't even... I don't even think he'll necessarily need advanced R&D. With a five-dollar re-rolling Mystic Attack basic that has Pierce, I think more often than not, you're going to be able to move... If you wait for your opponent to move one or two characters, you're going to be in a position where Shrange can move and reliably get the power to do a place. Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously, all my reps with Venom, a lot of the time, turn one for Venom is a move-move. Yep. This same. can change that entirely. And it's insane. <laughs> I it's, mean, it's bananas. Yeah. T- sorry to keep going on about it, but it obviously, an- another thing springs to mind. It's huge for fixing, um, fixing any mistakes you've got. Oh, yeah. That's the, that's the thing. It, it's a reset button for a, a bad mistake. It's also, if someone like Angela, as an example, grabs some extracts early. I mean, I'm sure you've seen it. The Angela grabbing extracts running away play, this really puts the pressure on that opposing team's Angela. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I'm a bit lost for words, really, just because of all the different things this is capable of, both doing to your own team and your opponents. It, it, It forces your opponent to think hard about where their models are placed. It sure does, and I love that kind of thing. So, with all of this said, though, be on the lookout for the new Doctor Strange. Should be dropping sometime in September or October, I think. So, I'm really excited for that. And uh, I have to be putting a button on this episode because I have got to be to work soon. So, Aaron, where can people find you again? So, my site is web- webwarriorsprotocols.com. It's the same on Facebook. I think I've got my handle on Twitter, my app rather on there is the 14th underscore Legion, which is from my days of playing Death Guard. Um, nice. My Instagram ad is the same. And then my, I know I'm going through all of them, but my Discord is Web Warrior Protocols. And then my num, the hashtag I think that you have to put at the end is 1086. If you ever want to message me about anything, just go for it. Choose which social media it is. And if you want to read from my blog, all of these social media pages have access to it. I really appreciate everyone that reads. Obviously, I'm currently running it um, non-profit. It's not monetized in any way. Like I said, I'm sponsored by Boarding Brum, which is great. Um, but I'm not making a profit from it. It's all in my spare time. I'm trying to push out a post a day, and I'm going to try and carry on doing that for a while. And, uh, yeah, I'm not going anywhere, and I'm going to be free to view always. So. Just to promote myself a little bit there, if that's all right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We like uh, promoting new creators and uh, creators that have some really great content as well. So I'm uh, I'm excited to see what else you've got in store for us. And also, uh, Suits out there, you can find us on the Facebook pages and on Discord. I'm at uh, HPP underscore Will on most of the uh, MCP Discords out there, so check that out. You can also find us on Patreon is patreon.com slash housepartyprotocol. It's a dollar a year to support us and, you know, help us just pay the bills for the hosting and all that stuff. You know, we have a good time, get access to the Discord and chit-chat and just 
Talk about MCP and whatever else comes to mind. Talk about the new Spider-Man No Way Home trailer that came out. Yes, please. No spoilers yeah. here, but oh my gosh, it looks amazing. That was and, that was. <laughs> yeah, so good. And uh, also, you can send us emails at housepartyprotocolpod at gmail.com. Send us messages on our Facebook page. We love talking to you guys over there. And also, uh, just comment on our posts, all that good stuff. I just, I really enjoy talking uh, Crisis Protocol and be ready for uh, next week's episode because we're going to go over uh, NashCon with Nate and Merzane and talk about how that went with Merzane pulling out the victory uh, for for the whole event, which was pretty fun and awesome. So make sure to tune in for that. And uh, with that, Aaron, thanks so much for being a part of the show today. I really appreciate it. And I don't know about you, but I certainly can't wait to have you back on. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. And um Really, whenever you feel like having me on here, I'm free most of the time at the minute. I start college soon, but um, yeah, whenever you want, let me know, and I'm more than happy to come on and talk some Marvel Crisis Protocol and some Web Warriors with you. All right, we'll do it, and uh, party on, Aaron. Indeed. Thank you, mate. Power down suits. Power down suits.